Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. I promise you it's going to make sense to you. What's in your dwell? The book of Psalms also let us know that God inhabits the praises of his people, Israel. And so because God comes to dwell in our midst because of our praise, we are dwelling in the presence of God. But it can't just be that you're dwelling in the presence of God and there is not a praise in it. There is not a worship and there is not trust or there is not any faith that's dwelling on the inside of you. What good does it really do you if God comes to dwell? If nothing comes from within your dwell. I promise you it's going to make sense to you. The Lord brought me to this particular passage of scripture. I didn't quite understand what God was trying to show me. But housed inside of the word dwell is a four-letter word spelled W-E-L-L, well. <laughs> you want to know what's in your dwell? There is a well down. And, and, and there is also that W-A-I-L, there is that, 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 that well, that loud disturbing cry I'm talking about where you can get into the presence of God and you don't even have the words to express truly what it is that you feel you don't even have the words to describe who God truly is to you even when you try to utilize the words God has provided as a means to describe himself you still feel inadequate trying to describe God Sometimes there is just, I'm just left with my will. Where everything on the inside of me, God, it begins to cry. It begins to desire you. What I found now, sometimes when I was well, and sometimes I was so, I was so tired of me. And I couldn't understand how this holy God would allow me, this, this mess of an individual, this wretched man that I am, to enter into his presence. But yet he will still love on me while I'm in his presence. He would welcome me and he would speak to me and he would comfort me and he would give me peace of mind. And he would release his peace down on the inside of my heart because many days I didn't even have the words to describe the things that I was dealing with mentally and in my heart. And the trials and tribulations that I was faced with in my day to day life. Oh, but I thank God that he's a God that understands me. I'm so glad, I'm so glad that he knows me better than I know myself. That he would just receive my will. He would just receive my moan. He would just receive my groan. So I came to ask you, what's, what is in your dwell? I found out even as the, listening to the songs. Give me the reference scripture in Exodus chapter 2, verse number 15. The Bible declares that now when Pharaoh heard this thing, what thing did he hear? How Moses had slain an Egyptian and he tried to cover it up. <laughs> In other words, he made a mistake, y'all. Do I have anybody in the room that, 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 that mistake is synonymous with your name? I'm talking about you feel like all you do is just make mistakes. It seems like the only thing you know how to do real, real good is mess it up. But the name Moses or Moshe in the Hebrew means to be drawn out. 
And I'm so glad that we serve a God that knows how to pull you out of your mistake. I'm, I'm so glad that he knows how to pull an anointing out of your mistake. And he knows how to pull grace and he knows how to pull mercy. He knows how to pull acceptance and love out of your mistake. And give you a willingness. If ever heard what Moses did, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of him and dwelt in the land of Midian. And where did he sit, y'all? He sat down by a well. I want to suggest to you, lives are turned around at wells. Lives are changed when you get to a well. And if you know anything about the wells at this particular time in Scripture, if we were to continue to go down in this particular passage of Scripture, Jethro, who would soon become Moses' father-in-law, his daughters were going to get water. Because the Scripture lets us know going to get water to care for the flock and things was a responsibility of the women. Y'all got quiet on me right there. Yeah, the women went to go get the water. Men might have shepherded and took care of the flock, but women went to go provide the water. Water, the life-sustaining nutrients of water. We can't live without the water. So woman, if you don't provide the water, we cannot survive. Lives are changed at the well. It's here at the well that Moses became content to dwell in the land of Midian. And, and it's here that Jethro offered his daughter to Moses. So we have it. As you know, the story lets us know. Moses but didn't have an encounter with God. Where God will bring him into the knowledge of who he is and what his purpose in life is. I want you as your name is to draw my people out of the place or out of the land of bondage. Maybe you're more familiar with this passage of scripture. One that I love. John chapter number four. Can you give me that reference scripture? John chapter number four, verse number six. It says, now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. This is where Jesus, the Bible lets us know when you did start beginning with the, the beginning of this particular passage of scripture, it was a must. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Well, ha what happens when Jesus comes to sit on your well? Because I want you to figure out what's in your dwell. Inside your dwell, there is housed a well. But when Jesus comes to sit on your well, will, will his thirst be quenched? Will he leave with what he came for? Because we know after you leave his presence, your life will be changed. Because lives are changed at the well. Take me back to our foundational scripture, Psalms 91. Now, many other theologians are debating whether or not this is the Davidic Psalm or whether this is a Psalm written by Moses. Now, Psalms chapter number 90 is a prayer or a Psalm that was penned by Moses. And it has the similar style of writing, even when you're talking about he that dwelleth. In Psalms chapter number 90, the first verse, Moses is talking about dwelling place. If, and if anyone is familiar with dwelling place, it is Moses. Where God dwelt on top of Mount Zion. Or Mount Sinai, we should call it. Right? And Moses went where God dwelt. Moses was also familiar when God gave him the blueprint about the traveling tabernacle. He understood where God dwelt. God dwelt in the secret place. 
And see, it's the secret place. Even when you look at the tabernacle in and of itself, everybody was not welcome into the most holies of holies. High priests could only go behind the veil a certain time of year. So they were the only ones who were familiar with this secret place of God. But the scripture says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high dwelleth in the Hebrews talking about to the man, to the woman, to the child, to the teenager, the one that sits or have his abode or her abode or to inhabit the secret place. And see, we become accustomed to we frequent the presence of God. Or the secret place of God. But nobody has taught you how to sit in his presence. To lodge or abide in his presence. Or to inhabit the presence of God. See we're familiar with the presence of God. Because we customarily experience God on a daily basis. The fact that you are still clothed in your right mind. Have activity of your limbs. Breath in your body, you've just experienced God. The fact that we came in here and we honored God and we gave him some praise and we gave him some worship, you just experienced God. That wasn't necessarily an encounter because you can't encounter God and walk away and have your life still be the same. As you can see in reference scriptures, when Moses encountered God at the burning bush, he was never the same. He talked about all the excuses of why he couldn't do it. But in the end, he can shake his encounter. The Samaritan woman at the well, when she came, just trying to handle her daily responsibility. But left her go and tell everybody that she can tell about a man, a prophet, that was able to talk to her about her whole life. She was never the same. And see, a lot of people use that particular passage of scripture as evangelistical purposes. She went and told folk about Jesus because her life was never the same. Let me tell you about a man. That the anthropos, he's fully God and fully man all at the same time. But it says he that dwelleth in the secret place. It's a secret because it's not known to everyone. Secret in the Hebrew is talking about a covering or a hiding place. For that person who's able to get to this secret place. It says that you know how to sit, you know how to buy, you know how to lodge or inhabit this place. And this is the place of the most high. And when we think about the most high. Because within these four scriptures, you're going to see four different terms that are describing God. Most high. Almighty. And you see Lord. My God. But even as we talk about him being the most high in the Hebrew, it's talking about Elion. Meaning he is the highest. There is none that compares. There is no one and nothing that is even on the plane of God. God sits alone as being the highest. You hear the, you hear the Hebraic people call him El Elyon. God the most high. <laughs> you got to put him in his proper position. Put him in his proper place. Is he the most high in your life or are there other things and other people that have guaranteed themselves a spot higher than God in your life? I want God to know he's my heir, Elion. He is the God most high in my life. My wife doesn't compare to him. My children and I love them dearly. They do not compare to God. Everything, everyone has to take a back seat to him. He's the most high. Says he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow. Shadow we understand a covering. But look at it in the sense of God hovering over you. 
Marvelous to know, even when Moses went up on Mount Sinai, how thunderings and lightness, and then there was a thick cloud of darkness, a thick cloud of darkness that hovered over the top of the mountain. So understand, when you're in the presence of God, there was a shadow. Every, every light produces its own shadow. You follow me? Every light is going to have its own shadow. But shadow in reference to God doesn't mean anything evil or dark. The shadow in relation to God is talking about it being a covering. God hovering over you. A protection. So he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, El Elyon, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And in the Hebrew, Almighty again is being... Almighty has been defined as Shaddai, El Shaddai, right? Shaddai simply means what he is most powerful. He is El Shaddai. He's God the most powerful. I wish you believed it. You see how it's become so commonplace. We can say things about God and it doesn't move you. How it should move you, it doesn't move you. So I'm asking you, what's in your dwell? Because you cannot come into the presence of God. You cannot have an encounter with God. And you just sit there when we mention descriptions about how God describes himself. You tell him if you could just sit there and not throw a hand up, not open your mouth and give God praise when we say he's El Shaddai, he's the God most powerful, or El Elyon, he's the God most high, that doesn't move you, then something is wrong. You're only familiar with God because of what you read and because of what you heard. But to know God, if you truly know God, to hear this, that will move you. To know that I have an opportunity to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Everyone can't frequent this secret place. So what am I saying in the secret place? He said, guess what? In the secret place, I revealed myself as the most high God. In the secret place, I revealed myself as the most powerful God. See, everybody, that may be it. You have not been to the secret place to know that God has revealed himself as the most high God or the most powerful God because he reveals that in the secret place. Because if you're still looking at life and you seem like your issues and the sin and the struggles that you deal with are more powerful than the God, then I'm... You have not been into the secret place. What's in your dwell? The psalmist begins to say, I will say of the Lord. What do you have to say about God? You can't encounter God and have not have anything to say of See, most of us, all we got to do to tell where you are, if we just sit and listen to you long enough, you're going to tell us exactly where you are. Your, your conversation is going to tell us what matters in your life. For some of you, you always talk about money. How you don't have enough, you always need more, and you want more, and what you could do if you had more. So we know money matters to you. But what do you have to say about God? I was talking about what's not right in life. How you wish this would change and that would change. So we understand what matters to you. But what do you have to say about God? The psalmist said, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Simply put, what are my problems in comparison to God? What are my issues in comparison to God? What are my struggles in comparison to God? Even if every sin that I wrestle with every day, what is the sin in comparison to God? He said, what I have to say about God is he's my refuge. Refuge in the Hebrews talking about he's my shelter from the storm. 
See, see them old, them old for them old mothers know something about that. He's a shelter from a time of storm. Oh, live long enough. If you haven't encountered a storm yet, look, just keep on living. But those of us who lived a little bit and have experienced some storms in life, we understand, huh? I wasn't supposed to come out of this storm alive. I wasn't supposed to make it through this storm. But, but, but God. That's why secular folk can't sing our song. The Bible declares that let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When I was in the middle of a storm, he is the one that redeemed me. He is the one that rescued me. It wasn't because of my emergency plan. Oh no, oh no, oh no. It wasn't because of my first aid kit. It wasn't even because of my insurance plan. It was because God decided to redeem me. God decided to rescue me. He is a shelter. In a storm. It also talks about he's a shelter in danger. Most of you understand danger because most of your danger is self-inflicted. Most of your harm is self-inflicted. You do it to yourself. Life is as dangerous as it is because of you. Not Satan, because of you. But even you with your dangerous self, because you like living on the edge, you're a risk taker. You don't like nobody boxing you in. You don't like nobody telling you what to do. You. He's a refuge. Because there are many days we don't realize, we don't recognize how much danger we've put ourselves in. Think about the time when you know you had enough adequate sleep, but you still got in the car and drove. My God, get me to where I got to be in the name of Jesus. I got to be the worker, please, God. You got something to say about the folk that you see texting and driving. wonder do you recognize and realize how much danger you put your own life in while you texting and driving you only want to stop when you hear that because we don't you know went all the way off the road and you you, you hear that <laughs> and that, that that shake you like oh let me put this phone down because you realize how far left you just went over or how far right you just went over you came all the way out your lane It took you having to come all the way out your lane for you to hit these emergency ridges on the side of the road to become a warning to you. For you to say, let me put my phone down. But you don't realize that danger that you imposed upon yourself, he was a refuge. Not only that, the psalmist said, and he's my fortress. He's like a castle to me. Not meaning God himself is a castle, but when you think about the defenses of a castle, how a castle is fortified and well protected, that's how God is to me. I'm well defended because of God. I am protected well because of God. Did you hear what I say? I am protected well because of God. If I got hit, it's not because God cannot protect me well. Could it be I venture beyond the walls of the castle? Y'all ain't going to talk to me right there. Meaning I came from under the covering of God. The protection of God. And this is where I took a blow. An unexpected blow, an unexpected hit. Because I venture... Away from the castle walls. He said, but my God. Simply put in being interpreted. My God. Well, let me go back to Lord. We know Lord, all caps is denoting 
the sacred name of God. The four capital letters denoting where we've introduced vowels, where we get the term Jehovah, but the four consonant letters that we pronounce as Yahweh. He's a self-existing. You say, I would say, oh my God, he's the self-existing God. He is the eternal God. He exists all by himself. He's not fashioned by the hands of men. He's the eternal God. He'll be here. When everything dissolves away, he'll still be here. That's what he's saying. He's my Lord. And he says, he's my God. In the Hebrew, he's talking about Elohim. The plural form of the name of God, denoting God the Father is my God. God the Son is my God. And God the Holy Spirit is my God. He's saying, I will trust in the Father. Because see, some of you, you trust in the Father, but you don't quite trust in Jesus. But the psalmist is saying, I trust in the Father like I trust in the Son. And I trust in the Spirit like I trust in the Father. This is my God in whom I trust. There is no distinction, but I trust in my God. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High, right? He says, surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. Surely. He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Meaning, the psalmist is given the imagery of a small bird, baby bird. You and I have been compared to small baby birds. Fowler is someone that hunts wild birds. The snare is the bird trap. Who us as small little baby birds are unaware that the trap is even there. But anytime if you notice in nature in and of itself when a small baby bird is disconnected from its mother or any small animal for that or baby animal for that matter. They give a cry. Crying. Their cry serves as a signal to the parent. Of their location. But God has enough understanding and enough wisdom and enough sense to say, okay, listen, I'm here. See, it's because you don't recognize that He's there that you will continue to cry, which is a good thing. Have you, I'm talking about when you've done something good. But doing something good seemed to bring something bad to your life. Oh, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. When you can be good, do right, and it seems like you get in return evil. What am I saying? It is the right thing to do for the small baby bird to, to signal out or to cry. But baby bird, what you got to understand is you are giving your location to the trapper. But when you were in the secret place, see, you ain't even got to call God because you were in his presence. There's no need to call God when I'm in his presence. He's there. And when you understand that he's omnipresent, he's everywhere at the same time. He's in all Time slots, time periods, all at the same time, meaning he's in the past, present, and future all at the same time. He's everywhere. He just hasn't always chose to reveal himself at all times. But he's everywhere. 
So, there are times when you're not necessarily in his presence because you feel disconnected, because you feel a loss, because you feel alone that you begin to cry. Father, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Help, Lord. Jesus. Mm, in the name of Jesus. But not realizing because you cried out to him, you just alerted the trapper to your location. The enemy, he, he didn't know where you were because see, think about it. There is this camouflage mechanism that God has designed all in, in nature. All you got to do is lie still according to your background and you'll just blend in. In other words, when I say lie still, just be still and know that he is God. Be still and see the salvation of the living God. But because we begin to panic because God is not there, we cry out alerting the trapper to our location. When all you had to do was just be still. Because guess what? You haven't wandered too far from where God has placed you. Think about the times that we made mistakes and fell in sin. You were not too far away. You were still close enough to God. Meaning, you still knew how to pray. You knew how to repent and get yourself back together. So you weren't so far away. But you're looking at the fact that you're not in the presence of your father. It has alarmed you to the fact that now you cried and just alerted the trapper to your location. And some of us keep trying to figure out why does the enemy keep finding me because you're not in a secret place. And when you're not in his presence, I know calling on him is a good thing. But guess what? The fact that you called him, you just alerted the enemy to where you are. He had no clue where you were. Because the camouflage mechanism that God has designed was working. But you panicked. It doesn't look like you're going to survive what you in. But all you got to do is just sit back and just blend in and be still. I wish y'all knew what I was talking about. Nature not, might not necessarily be your thing, but I'm a nature buff. I like nature things. All you got to do is just sit back and blend in. Don't, don't, don't you panic. See, what the enemy can bank on, he can bank on that you're going to panic. The enemy can bank on that you're going to start dealing with fear. He understands, see, just, just, just give them some time and fear is going to get the best of them and they, they're going to make an impulsive move out of fear. And because they made an impulsive move, your impulsive move ain't just to go and do something. It is to, Father, oh, I heard somebody call Father. You wouldn't be calling father if you was in the comfort of father's presence. So it's letting me know that you feel that you are in danger by being away from the father. But little does the enemy know when you talk about birds, certainly birds of prey when it comes to their fellow birds or baby birds rather. They're only flying away and they do it in a tag team. Will the mother go out, bring back some food? Then the father go out, bring back some food. Now, they're not always just sitting in the nest with the baby birds. They're giving them room to spread their wings. Because eventually you got to get pushed out of this nest. So, yeah, and if you know anything, definitely like eagles, eagles build their nests with the intention of they, they, they push the, the, the twigs and the branches inward inside the, inward. In other words, they're making it very uncomfortable for you. So you got to be careful as a baby eagle, even how you move around in this nest, because the thing that was designed to protect you is designed to push you up out of it also. You're only designed to stay here for a significant amount of time. 
Come on. Do you believe that you can fly? Because uh, I know y'all used to like that song. I believe I can fly. Come on. It's going to be a time where you got to fly, meaning you're going to have to trust God. But he said, no, 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 don't, don't play it now. Don't play it now. That's, that's called profane. Mixing ungodly with, that's profane. Don't do it. Don't do it. I just wanted you to know what I was talking about. No, we, we can't mix no ungodly with godly. We can't mix unholy with holy. That's profane. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. The pestilence is talking about the disease. There were some things that come to dis-ease you in life. And the thing that comes to dis-ease you in life is, is loud. It's not even trying to sneak up on you. It's not trying to be quiet at all. It could be a person that's just brought dis-ease and discomfort to you. It could be a situation. But he's saying, surely... God is going to deliver me. What is in your dwell? 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 He said, he shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thy trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. This is the poetry of the Hebraic writer. As he's saying the same thing, he shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings you'll still be cover he's giving you the same image his truth shall be thy shield and buckler buckler is interpreted in the Hebrew as being a shield this is the poetry I'm gonna say it to you twice so you don't miss it he's gonna cover you with his feathers so we see the psalmist giving the image of God being a larger bird or a parent bird that is going to cover us with his feathers. Now, if you have a problem with seeing God as a bird, the Bible lets us know that there is healing in the wings, denoting. And even when you go and look up the word feathers, Webster will tell you it's a form of dressing, dressing with fancy clothes. Right? Can you pull up Psalms chapter 93, verse number one? I want you to see something. Psalms chapter number 93, verse number one. If, if you have a problem with seeing God, viewing God as a bird, and if you want his wings to be a depiction of his clothing, because though he's a spirit God, he ain't walk around heaven naked. He's not in the nude. <laughs> it says, the Lord reigneth. He is clothed in what? The Lord is clothed also with what? Think of this. Majesty denotes God's sovereign power or his authority or his splendor or his greatness was power. He said, that's what I've clothed myself in. Greatness and authority and sovereign power. Strength basically means it's the same word, a similar word. So think about it. When he said, I'm going to cover you with my feathers denoting clothes, I'm going to cover you with my greatness. I'm going to cover you with my sovereign authority and power. With my splendor. With my honor, I'm going to cover you. Take me back. Right there. That's where I want you to stay, right there. As we venture back up to Psalms 91, verse 1, it says, He that dwelleth. And I've been asking you the question, what is in your dwell? We told you there was a four-letter word housed inside this word spell. Well. I want you to understand that there is a well that dwells on the inside of you. For example, when you think about well, one of the definitions for the word well, it is a cavern. A 
deep cavern that holds water. I know it doesn't feel like it. Because some of you might seem empty or feel empty or dry. But he said, if you dwell, I'll keep the well on the inside of you replenished. I'll keep it overflowing. That even when you pour out, you won't feel empty after pouring out. Because guess what? There is water. There is enough water on the inside of you for you and someone else. Meaning there is enough spirit and there is enough life that's abiding on the inside of you. If you can just dwell in the secret place of the Most High, I want to reveal your well. Jesus wants to come and sit at your well. Because when he comes and sit at your well, lives are changed. Oh, I wish somebody's life would change. Because they had an opportunity to drink from the well that's on the inside of you. Another word for this word, well, is talking about a skillful way, right? A successful way. If you dwell in the secret place of the Most High and abide under the shadow of the Almighty, there is another well that's abiding on the inside of you. There is a successful way of dealing with people and things. A skillful way. See, I know you don't feel successful in your relationships. You don't feel so successful on your job. You don't feel so successful in church. Let's be real. You don't, be, you don't feel successful being you. But there is a well, if you dwell in the secret place, there is a well that God wants to uncover to let you know you can be successful at being you. And see, you'll stop being so thirsty, looking for everybody's approval because you know the Father has embraced you. The Father has accepted you. The Father has approved you. Not only has he approved you, he anointed you and he appointed you. That's what your well ought to tell you. God has embraced me because there is a well abiding on the inside. There is success on the inside. There is a skillful way on the inside of me. Uh, and see, God, when, if you know anything about a well, you got to dump a bucket down on the inside. And you have to pull the water up. And see, for some of you, God is he's having to dump a bucket on the inside of you to get that success on the outside. To get those skills on the outside of you. Because some of you saying, okay, I don't even know what my skill set is. Let me drop a bucket. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. Let, me. let me drop a bucket. I'm trying to retrieve this well water. I'm talking about you got to understand how significant this is. There's a passage of scripture where David, them in the heat of a battle. I'm talking about why fighting the war. David sends a request and said, I wish somebody would get me some water from the well in Bethlehem. King. The king had a request. I wish somebody, while we're in the middle of a battle, I wish somebody would get me water from the well of Bethlehem. Two soldiers stood up. We'll take the challenge. Fought their way through the heat of the battle, retrieved the well water, only to bring it back to David, and David poured it out. Now, I would have been a man, oh, David. But you got to understand what's taking place in the culture. It was considered a libation. Libation, not in an evil sense. In other words, the well water was as a commodity. It's a very cultural thing in this particular part of the world. But what David was saying was, I want this refreshing water. This cold, refreshing water. Because y'all know ain't nothing like a cold glass of ice water that will quench you on a hot day. When you've been out working hard and, and you asking for a cold glass of water and it quenches your thirst. But David wanted them to understand, I didn't get this because I was thirsty. 
I'm pouring it out because of the value of it as a sacrifice unto God. Do y'all understand what I just said? Two men risked their lives to fight through the battle to go retrieve some cold water to bring it back to the king and the king poured it out. He poured it out. Why? Because this is my sacrifice. Do you understand God is dropping a bucket on the inside of you to pull up what you're unwilling to sacrifice? I'm trying to get deep down inside of the well in you that I can pull up what you're unwilling to sacrifice, what you are afraid to give me. I'm going to go on the inside and get it for myself. That I have warriors who are willing to go through the heat of the battle to retrieve this water that's on the inside of you. Oh, yes. That's why we're fighting with your generation and bloodline curses and fighting with all the sin that you are dealing with every day. Why? Because we are trying to receive the life that's on the inside of you that somebody can be refreshed and pour it out as a sacrifice unto God. He said, as this third will, when you talk about if you well, in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of the Almighty, this other well is good health. Always praying, God, heal something. Something of your physical body, God, heal my baby toe. Heal my toothache. Heal my broken heart. Heal my confused mind. We done got so sophisticated. God, heal my money. Mm, thank you, Lord. Heal it. <laughs> I ain't a poet. God, heal it. Uh, heal it. Heal it. Heal it. Oh, yeah. Heal this credit. Credit score. FICA score. Heal it all, Jesus. All these high, high interest rate. Heal it. Bring it on down. Bring it on down. Heal my reputation. Heal my character, God. Heal my name, God. He's talking about good health. And see, some of us, we're not there where we have good health. Everything makes you sick now. Can't stand my job. Make me sick. <laughs> my boss make me sick. Check out your vocabulary. Every time you turn around, you tell my somebody, man, yeah, you make me sick. On your way to work, Ty, get a, God, my tie, you make me sick. My car make me sick. I wish I had a new car. My car just make me sick. Your air don't work. My car make me sick. My air, my heat make me sick. Everything nowadays makes you sick. Somebody can tell you the truth because you become accustomed to saying everything and everybody makes you sick before you know it, it'll come out of your mouth. Somebody told you the truth, not to offend you. They told you the truth. You knew it was the truth. You're like, you made me sick. <laughs> Wish you wouldn't even say that. You made me sick. And, and you didn't have to say it in a serious tone of voice. But it's become so second nature. Everything makes you sick. So guess what? What you're speaking is what's coming alive coming alive in you or coming alive in your life does anything make you well does anybody in your life make you well is there anything now I know you feel well when you get that that, that paycheck Whoo! I, I wanted to do something else I, I, ain't, I don't think I had the energy to do it so you gotta just do what your body let you do in the moment but is there anybody in your life that makes you well? Anything that makes you well? It is a good question. Because we're trying to figure out what's dwelling. What's in your dwell? And now that you know, I just gave you three wells. You have good health. Successful way, skillful way. And then the other world we talked about is okay, it's this deep cavern that allows for us to be able to dip a bucket in and draw out water, refreshing water. You have three wells 
that's housed inside of your dwell. If your well has run dry, it's bone dry, it's because you're not dwelling in this presence. If you're consistently challenged with sickness, disease in your physical body, or dis-ease in your life, you're not in good health. And if you're not having success, like, like Joshua's, you know, the, the Bible talks about just you have good success. Let's name the type of success. Good success. If you're not having successful ways or skillful ways going about doing things and being successful and, 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 and being skillful at how you handle people, then I'm suggesting to you that your wells have run dry. You ought to ask God by his spirit, but God, refresh me, replenish me, God, pour new life into me, pour this water that will quench every thirst, God. Because do you understand every, every dry bone well is thirsty for water? Because the purpose of the well is to provide water. Life giving water cold refreshing water everything has its purpose don't let your purpose be hindered because you refuse to dwell in the presence of the living God so I ask you what is in your dwell it should be a well amen come on put your hands together for Jesus